As we are, uh, we're continuing our sermon series here in John, and as we approach Easter, we're finishing out the Gospel of John, walking with Jesus to the cross. And uh, in today's in today's passage, we're going to be following Peter in one of his lowest moments. We're going to be focusing on the life of Peter, in fact, in today's message. And 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 as we walk through and 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 come alongside. We really have to come to the end of ourselves in order to begin to experience life in Jesus Christ. Unless we come to the end of ourselves, we will not begin to experience life in Jesus Christ. We're all broken. We're all sinful people, but, but we, we, we oftentimes easily lose sight of our brokenness. We oftentimes are very keenly aware of other people and how broken they are, right? Siblings, friends, co-workers, maybe spouses, housemates, children. Have you had any recent moments where you've been reminded of how broken you are or sinful? One of those that came to my mind as I was preparing here as, as a pastor. One of those moments where I came face to face with my own brokenness and a scenario where, where I thought I was protecting and, and in my passion and defense. I was convinced that, that, that certain individuals uh, were, were out to, to harm uh, the congregation or the body of Christ and, and in actions and intentions that they had. And I, and I made false accusations. Because I was convinced I had all the information and I was right. I told other board members and come to find out their intentions were actually to, to guard and protect the body. And they were given advice by district leadership about how to handle a situation. And, and they were like, we shouldn't do that because that would be harmful. And, and I was confronted with that reality and I went back and I checked that out and Come to realize, I, I was wrong. I didn't just sin against my, my brothers. I had also sinned by sharing false information with others. I was convinced I was so right. And it was very humbling to have that kind of public kind of sin, brokenness. Tempted about, with, you know, I... And I was tempted in that moment with shame, tempted about with, you know, am I really qualified? Like, should I be doing this? Like, how can such a, you know, a person in such a position uh, commit false accusations and, and be broken and so prideful? I was encountered by Jesus and reminded that, that I wasn't, I'm not a pastor because I need Jesus, but I'm a pastor because I need Jesus just as much as anybody else. I'm a pastor, not because of my goodness, but because of his goodness. This isn't about me. And my brokenness was an opportunity for me to humble myself before my other the board members and before these other brothers in Christ and, 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 and to experience the grace of Jesus Christ. I wouldn't know the grace of Jesus if I didn't come face to face with my sin, with my brokenness. 
When we get caught up, oftentimes, many of us, were, because the brokenness isn't public or, or sin is, isn't, isn't significant, if you will, we can fall into the self-sufficiency that I really can follow Jesus on my own or, 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 or I, 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 Jesus is just a crutch. Like, when I need you, I'll come to you. We, we forget that we need Jesus every day, all day, that we're desperate for his life in us. The only reason we have breath even is because of Jesus Christ. And I need to actively depend on him. Don't, I won't know his grace unless I actively realize I'm broken all the time. Did you guys know that? You're broken all day long. Sin and our hearts and our thoughts. Like, it's true. You're worse off than you realize. Now we can go to self-loathing. We can go. We can go to just pride. And I'm not going. I'm not going to see. That. I'm going to blame other people. Look at this and see that we are loved. We don't have to hide from it, but we can be changed. We can be changed in the midst of our brokenness. We're loved. We're going to see this in Peter in his life. Join me in prayer. Holy Spirit. We just ask that as Peter's life becomes the canvas for us to see you display your kindness, your grace. Lord, may we see ourselves in Peter and in your love for him. And may we encounter your grace afresh, Jesus. Change us, Spirit. Bring us out of our self-sufficiency. Bring us out of our pride and our defensiveness. Bring us out of our our insecurity, our self-loathing, Lord God. Bring us into life as we see you. In your name, amen. Today we unpack the life of Peter I'm going to be in John chapter 18. If you do want to follow along, we're we're going to get to uh, today's passage a little bit later as we kind of catch up with the story of Peter. John chapter 18 verses 12 through 27 is is where we're going to be to be exact. And we'll get there a little bit later here in the service, in the message. Simon Peter. Simon Peter is one of these kind of well-known guys in, in the Bible, if you will. Uh, there's a, probably a variety of different names. If I asked you, like, who are some of the people in the Bible that stick out to you? And, and there'd be a variety of different names. But Peter, Peter gets a lot of prominence. Peter was a, a fisherman with he and his brother Andrew in the town of Bethsaida. It was a fishing village on the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus one day was walking on the seashore on by the docks. And he called out to Andrew and Peter active fishermen, and he invited them, join me. I'm going to change your world. Uh, you fish for fish. I'm going to have you fish for men. Join me. Peter didn't have any clue what he was signing up for. Peter, a married man. For those of you who didn't know this, you might have a hard time believing Peter was married. God bless that woman. Oh, Lord. Peter encountering Jesus. One of the first things Jesus did was he changed his name. He spoke into Peter's life of who he would become. 
That's the way that Jesus does. He encounters us and he sees who we will become because of him in us, his love for us. He changed his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. If you know anything about the life of Peter, as we walk through it, Peter's life is kind of like the high seas. Woo! It's a roller coaster. He's all over the place. You don't think rock when you think of Peter. But Jesus would make him into a rock and build his church upon his ministry. Peter was extrovert. We've talked about this, referred to it before. Extroverts, they they do think do. Like they act and then they think about what they just did and whether they should have done that or not. And then they act some more. As you can tell, I'm an extrovert. Thank you, Andy. Peter was a speak first, act first, man of great, great, great intentions, big heart. Didn't always think about his limitations. Didn't always consider that there might be more. And his no, but he has outspoken devotion for Jesus. And his life, as we walk through the Gospels, whether it's Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, you hear a lot about Peter. He's one of the first to answer. You know, if you're in a small group and you know you're just waiting. Introverts are like, that extrovert, they're going to answer for me. I don't have to talk because they're going to talk for me. Peter was quick to talk. His quick insight. One scenario in his devotion, Jesus walking on water and, 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 and the disciples didn't quite know what this was. Is it a ghost? Is what's happening out there? And Peter calls out, Jesus, if it's you, call me out. Call me out to, on the water. You know, Jesus is the only one that's walked on water. Peter, Peter's pretty close. Peter steps out in the water, takes some steps, and begins to sink because he looks at the wind and the waves. But he got out of the boat. He had the courage, the audacity. Call me out, Jesus. He began to sink. His own bro- struggle with faith and trusting Jesus. Nobody else got out of the boat, though. Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say I am? Peter quickly was the first to say, you're the Christ. He had recognized you're the king, the king that we've been waiting hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. You're the fulfillment of everything in the Old Testament. God's provision, you are it. Peter saw it, he understood it, but he didn't fully understand. Quick to speak the truth. Jesus proclaims to Peter, On this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not prevent it. I'm going to start with you, Peter. You're going to be part of building the greatest movement in all of humanity. Movement of my salvation. And not just like five or ten minutes later, just like Peter. We're at the high. Woo, Peter. We're going to crash. And Jesus begins to explain as the king. Because that's what revolutionaries do, right? They come and they lead people and they die. And the movement gets bigger, right? No, that's not how revolutions happen. Peter knew that. He's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Jesus, he's a great guy, but he hasn't really thought through this. He needs some help. So Peter decides 
He's going to teach Jesus a lesson. I don't know about you, but I haven't been called Satan. Not yet, at least. Peter had the pleasure, privilege of being called Satan by Jesus. Get behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. Peter thought he knew better than Jesus. Confronts the king. Rebukes him. And had gone from the height to the depths of being called Satan. Get behind me. He wasn't actually Satan, but Satan was using Peter. <clears throat> Jesus comes to the end. The last night here is uh, uh, before he's in the garden praying what we just read. Jesus takes his disciples and, they, and, he, and he institutes the Lord's Supper. They're having Passover. And, and Jesus washes their feet. He has this famous scene Jesus, the king, the rabbi, friends, this is, this is unheard of. This would never happen. But Jesus, the king, demonstrates what kind of king he is to get on his knees, to become a servant, not to be served by his disciples, but to get on his knees and to serve and wipe the, 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 the manure, filthy feet of his disciples. Unheard of. And Peter's like, I know better than this. No, no, no leader should do this for their followers. No, Jesus, you will not wash my feet. So quick to speak. And his heart was right, but he didn't understand. Jesus explains, unless, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Peter didn't understand. I need to be saved. I need to be saved by Jesus. I'm not going to save him. I need to be saved by him. It's not my, my devotion, my love for him. It's about, it's always about him. Him, his love for me. Not just too long after Jesus washes his, Peter's feet. Peter's explaining again, I'm going to lay down my life. I've got to, I'm going to have to leave. I've got to go away. And, and Peter's, Peter and Jesus had this conversation with together. Go to the next slide. Simon Peter said, Lord, where are you going? Jesus answered him, where I'm going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow afterward. Peter said to him, Lord, why can't I follow you? I will lay down my life for you. Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly I say to you, the rooster will crow, will not crow till you have denied me three times. Peter was so convinced of his faithfulness to Jesus, his passion, his love for Jesus. He was devoted. Wait, I won't. I won't. I'm that guy. Peter was so, so convinced of his own righteousness, of his own faithfulness, his own goodness. Jesus informs him, you're going to fall. You're going to fall in a way that contradicts everything that you believe about yourself. You're going to have to come, come to grips with something you've not, you've not wanted to see. You've hidden from yourself. You are broken, Peter. 
This brings us to our passage today. Jesus has been arrested. He's been taken to be tried falsely, unjustly, so. But Peter follows along. Verse 12, chapter 18. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus. So did another disciple. Since the disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the court of the high priest. But Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple who was known to the high priest went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are, are not one of his disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and the officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold. And they were standing and warming themselves. Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. Not but a few hours before. Peter and Jesus had just had this interaction. Jesus, I will lay down my life for you. Peter now follows another disciple to where Jesus was being taken to be tried. And, and, and We don't quite know who this other disciple is. There's some speculation of whether it was John who wrote this, this particular gospel as an eyewitness or somebody else. We don't know. But this other disciple's known. He's got access. He's got tickets. He's, he's, he, he knows people. And so he gets in to the courts area to be able to follow Jesus, to be able to observe, like, what's going to happen? What are they going to do? Peter does not have that same access. And so this other disciple comes back, uses his cloud, uses his, his uh, connections, and brings him in. The servant girl at the front there, she already knows that this, this other disciple is a disciple of Jesus. This other disciple wasn't ashamed. She asked the question of Peter. It's kind of like, it's a, it's a bit condescending. You're not also one of his disciples. The expectation of this answer, of this question implicitly is, there's no way you could be one of his disciples. In a sense, Peter, Peter takes the exit she gives. When he had just a couple hours earlier said, I will die for you. No, I don't know him. And he goes in. You can imagine the conflict that's happening in Peter because he knows. He knows what he has told Jesus and he knows what he just said. And, and Jesus actually isn't that far from them. You can imagine what's happening inside of him. The shame, the conflict. Continues on here. The high priest then questioned Jesus and his disciples, his teaching. Jesus answered him, I've spoken openly to the world. And I've always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all the Jews came together. I've said nothing in secret. Why do you ask? Why do you ask me this? 
Ask those who've heard me what I've said them. They know what I've said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand. Saying, is this how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him. If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, you are also not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear had been cut off. Asked, did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it. And at once a rooster crowed. These scenes are put together. Jesus before the council, Peter before his own council around the fire. Jesus does not, does not give in or does not uh, avoid uh, uh, his suffering, going to death, taking God's wrath in our place. And his answering of the questions, he's not being evasive. And he's not denying their accusations against him. He's saying, you've got plenty of evidence. You already know the answer to your question. I don't need to play your game. You know the truth. This is a formality. Let's proceed forward. Peter, on the other hand, he's examined two more times. Again, he's asked that same question. You're not also a disciple. Again, this other disciple, he proudly, it was was no secret that he was a follower of Jesus, but Peter exclusively. You're not also a disciple of Jesus. I am not. Shame. And finally, the third person chimes in, probably right afterwards. Now, I'm pretty sure I saw you in the garden. He was a relative of, of the guy that Peter, Peter, who he slashed his ear. Peter denies it. In other, uh, other uh, accounts, relate that I recognize your northern accent. I recognize you're from Galilee. like, oh, for sure, don't you know? I'm not one of his disciples. I think that was more Irish than Northern, but uh, it's my best bet here in the moment. Sorry about that. Peter is all of a sudden confronted with himself. Talks about how Peter went off and just wept. Just wept. Because he was unfaithful to his king. He failed. He didn't just fail privately. He failed publicly. There was another disciple who was present who heard Peter talk with Jesus. I will not leave you. I will lay my life down. His shame. We're all like Peter. We've all denied Jesus in some way, shape, or form in our lives. Where we have opportunities to represent him 
in our relationships throughout the day and throughout the week, we, we fall short. And we choose self-preservation. We choose self-protection. We choose ourself over Jesus. We're all guilty of that. We've all denied him in our actions, in our, our workplace, or school, kids. We've denied him in our behavior with our friends. We somehow think there's, there's a difference between Sunday and then Monday through Saturday. We've denied him in how we treat our spouses, our kids, siblings, parents, family members. We deny him by selfishly interacting rather than in love, affirming he is king and I follow the king. And I will lead, I will live by love because that's what he's shown me. He is my God. He is the source of truth. I'm not ashamed. We fall short. All of us. But how did Jesus treat Peter? Jesus didn't shame Peter. He, there wasn't one of those moments where it's a crack of lightning and this flash of light. And you see Jesus' face and he's got this condescending kind of look on Peter. Sinner. You know, it wasn't shame. It wasn't rejection. Jesus knew Peter was going to deny him. Jesus even told Peter, you're going to deny me. And you know what? Jesus still went to the cross for him anyway. Jesus didn't just stop and say, oh, you failed me. Now I'm not going to go die for you, bud. It's over. You had your chance. Fail. He went to the cross anyway. This is true of you. Jesus doesn't shame you. He doesn't reject you. He knows your sin. He knows that you're going to continue to fail him and fall short. And he loves you anyway. He sees the depths of your heart. He knows you anyway. Right? He knows the darkest things about you and your soul. And he died for you anyway. That's grace. That's good news, amen. Can go to the next slide. Megan read this earlier. This is this is the truth. Jesus didn't. This doesn't say God shows His love for us. But while we while we were clean and perfect, and we 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 we, we cleaned up our lives, then He died for us. No. Do you see what it says? Is while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's love. In the midst of our brokenness and filth and sin. You see, Peter, Peter was convinced in his own ability to love Jesus. He was convinced in his own power to follow Jesus. He was convinced that Jesus' relationship with him was dependent on his own faithfulness. We get caught up in that same trap and that same trick. But that's lies, friend. And when we come and encounter the love of God for what it is, the true love of God, it's undeserving. And this is when we get changed. 
You see, this was the conversion moment for Peter. Peter had to come to grips with himself. Peter had to come face to face with his inability to follow Jesus. Come face to face with his need for the grace of God. He didn't have power to pursue Christ on his own. He didn't have that land of love within him. That God's love for him was not dependent on Peter. Not because Peter is good, but because Jesus is good. You know, that's why he loves you. Because he's the only thing that's good. And he's faithful. Peter is experiencing his conversion moment of realizing, I am broken and a sinner. Save me, Jesus. Only then, now, does he really understand the cross. This is like a slingshot, and it propels Peter forward in ministry as he encounters the love of God that he doesn't deserve to go forward in the power of the Holy Spirit. To become one of the greatest leaders in all of history. At the beginning of the greatest movement in all of history. The work of salvation through Jesus Christ. God's love for you does not depend on you. Depends on his character, his goodness for you. Your ability to follow God, your ability to pursue him does not depend on some kind of mustering of strength inside you. It doesn't depend on you. It depends on his love for you. This may seem confusing. Unless you and I have encountered the love of Jesus, unless you and I are experiencing the relationship with Jesus Christ, we don't have the ability to follow him. We are utterly Messed up and broken. This is such good news because we fail, friends. When we, when we actually let ourselves see our brokenness, we're tempted in this life with that shame. We're tempted to beat ourselves down. We're tempted to self-loathing. Or we're tempted to that pride. I'm going to numb myself. And then we become harmful to other people. You know that. You've experienced that in other relationships. You've been harmful in other relationships because of your own pride. But Jesus changes everything with grace. We can see ourselves and know that we're loved. We don't have to run and hide. We don't have to defend because we are loved in spite of ourselves. This changes everything. Everything. We try to follow Jesus. Friends, it's not difficult to follow Jesus. I've said this before. It's not difficult. It's impossible. It's impossible. You cannot follow Jesus without the power of God changing you and living in you. I said this before, Adrian Thomas makes a statement that, that God didn't just send his son out of heaven to get us out of hell and into heaven. He sent his son to get the God of heaven out of heaven and into us. We need God in us. Check these verses out here. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us. That God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. And this is love. Not that we have loved God, but that he loved us. 
and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. It means he sent his son as a sacrifice for our sins. You can go to the next slide. We love because he first loved us. This is so huge. It always starts with him. Always starts with him. Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, I in him. He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Friends, not only does God want you to know his grace, you are not your brokenness and sin. You can grow and be transformed. You don't have to be defined by it, but you can be transformed through it. Grace, take hold of grace. But not only that, there's power. We don't have to live in the same struggle that we do every day in our relationships, in our grind. We just feel it, right? The daily grind. Friends, what if it was daily life? Jesus brings life. He lives it through us in the darkest of times, in the hells that we go through. We can still have life and be victorious because he's conquered. Amen. Let's come today and receive. But it's not just today, friends. If we don't get this order right that we need Jesus first to come to us, we need to encounter his grace daily. It's like priming a pump. You got to pour old school. You had to pour water down the pump in order to get the pump going and gravity flowing and get the, get the water coming out. We need to prime the pump of our lives with grace to receive Jesus. One of my college ministry mentors, he was discipling me and he shared about his own life. I got to preach the gospel to myself daily. I need to hear the good news daily. I need to start my day with Jesus. And with the good news, it begins. I'm going to love. I'm going to have the chance at life because he first I'm receiving from him. And he changes me. And I can love my wife rather than using her for my own end. I can love my sons and, 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 and not look down on them or, or use them for my own identity and purposes or lash out. or I can be a healthy pastor and not, not live out of work, come to work for my own ends and my own selfish gains, but for God's glory. We, every day, friends, we're desperate. Not because you're a special kind of broken, but because that's reality. Let's come thirsty every day. Let's come and receive and be changed. I'm going to invite the worship team to come on down. Like Peter, friends, you and I must come to the end of ourselves in order to begin to experience life. We must come to the end of ourselves in order to be, experience life through God's grace and the power of Jesus' love. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, thank you for your mercy, Jesus, that you showed Peter. Thank you, Jesus. That your love didn't wait on us. Your love doesn't depend on us. Your love comes from the fact that you are perfect and good. You are love itself. Lord God, this is so hard for us to receive and grasp. 
But God, I pray that, that you would translate this truth in a way that you only could, just like you did with Peter, radically transforming him to, to speak here to my brothers and sisters and myself, Lord God, that I love you in the midst of your brokenness and feel I love you and I am here for you. You are my child, not because of what you do for me, but because I love you. I've chosen you. And I give you my life. God, begin that work in us. Continue that work in us. Let us leave today, God, encouraged, and let us live. In your name we pray.